0: I'm David Clayton, and this is the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. I'm here with Father John Myler, who's Rector of the Cathedral at Belleville, Illinois. And um, Father John approached me, I'm going to say two or three months ago, and uh, he was interested in... Uh, teaching courses on the symbolism of Catholic art with a special focus on Mary. Um, And so we asked him to do a Lenten meditation, which we thought was terrific. And so now he's going to be creating a course for us uh, at Pontifex University. And so we'll talk about that later. Uh, But uh, first, we're, we're going to have a conversation about uh, you, Father. So, first of all, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me, David. I'm delighted to be with you.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, Why don't you, before we get on to broader and deeper topics, why don't you just tell us, uh, this is not to put you down, tell us about yourself. Um, I'm always curious with people that I talk to on the podcast how did they get to where they are now? What, what what is your story in faith, so to speak?
1: Every story uh, is is part of the Christian story. I am um, I'm lifelong Catholic. I was ordained a priest in 1982. I was one of the first what are called John Paul II priests. I uh, was so taken with the new pope at that time that I. Uh, that I applied for the seminary here in my home diocese. Uh, By the grace of God, I was accepted and studied for several years. Uh, I had the good fortune of uh, previously having uh, done my bachelor's and master's work at the Jesuit St. Louis University uh, in the fine arts, particularly in uh, dramatic criticism and history. Uh, but with lots of uh, studio art, and that's art history as well. Uh, So that after I was ordained, uh, my good bishops said, uh, perhaps you would be interested in doing further study, which I was, and at the same time, always interested in pastoral work. So I am uh, now the rector of our cathedral, the Cathedral of St. Peter uh, here in Belleville. Uh, I've been rector for 15 years. I was associate here for uh, five years before that. So I've spent most of my priesthood uh, right here at the cathedral. Uh, my family is nearby, but I've had the good opportunity to to study uh, in Rome and uh, other universities uh, stateside. Uh, so here I am, a pastor, a simple pastor, the rector of a large cathedral parish family i also have a, a lifelong love of of the lord of his mother and of that art that represents them
0: yes and and so um the course you're going to create is about mary in art um and perhaps if you just tell us a little bit about that and the structure that that will take before because i'd like to discuss with you something about the the recent history of Devotion to Mary, which we were talking about before we started recording. I found a little bit you told me fascinating, but so we'll come on to that in a moment. But, but let's talk about the, the course so that we can just give that a plug. We hope that that will be available by the end of the summer, something like that. Uh, of course, there's a lot of disruption to everybody's tempo at the moment, but yes, tell us about the course.
1: The course we're creating for Pontifex is a three-part course and the first would be images of Mary in Advent and Christmas. Uh, The second part would be images of Mary in Lent and Easter and Pentecost. And so those are both uh, liturgical in nature and the third part of the course would be more devotional that would be images of Mary particularly in the litany of Loretto all that uh, long list of titles that have been given yes. to the Blessed Mother over 20 centuries uh, which the Christian people have prayed and and taken great consolation and been given great confidence so the artistic images of mary would be liturgical and devotional but as all good spirituality is all good liturgy is all good theology is it leads us eventually to the person of jesus christ
0: yes um i love the you came up with that structure and i love the emphasis on the liturgical supported by the devotional it, it seems to be just the right balance to me and it's something that uh, we we're not up to this point where there's been a bit of a gap in the uh the symbolism of marian art which is of course it's so important in the western tradition so
1: we're really looking forward to that um i have had wonderful teachers david yeah uh, in in my doctoral work the the great swiss uh, mariologist johann roten uh who is uh, an expert on uh many, many divergent Marian images throughout the centuries and throughout many cultures. Uh, The great American Carmelite uh, Father, Eamon Carroll, who served a long-term on the iconography committee of the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, DC. The the Italian uh, Luigi Gambero, uh, now gone to God, who, was an expert in Mary and the fathers of the Church, and uh, I coursework also with the, the great Frenchman uh, Rene Laurentin, uh, who was uh, instrumental at the Second Vatican Council, on uh, the Council's inclusion of Mary in the document on the Church. Uh, these these great professors that I've had the the blessing to have. Have uh, given me, I think, uh, a Marian devotion and an, an, a Marian theology that is uh, always rooted uh, in what the Church teaches, right. and uh, from that comes so much.
0: Well, th- this is an audio recording, um, and so we can't. It, it's it's not going to be so fruitful to talk about the art directly because it's better to have the images so why don't we move on from, this, from there you mentioned the uh the, the fact that uh that, that mary was included she was uh, referred to in the second vatican council why don't you um tell us a little bit more about the the history the devotional history of mary if i can call it that in the in the recent past the 20th century um and, and how you would characterize this because i think it's
1: important
0: for setting the scene to today
1: it is indeed the 20th century can almost be divided into uh, two parts and i use the uh, the image of the, the metaphor of sound of music the first 50 to 60 years of the 20th century There was this great crescendo of Marian devotion, Marian thought, Marian literature, Marian art. And then after the council, at least for 10 to 15 years, uh, came what has been referred to as a decade of silence. After this this great Mm. Marian movement of the first part. Uh, Suddenly, uh, Mary disappeared from uh, devotional journals and magazines. Mary disappeared from uh, studious uh, theology. Mary disappeared in devotional life, in parishes. Now, this was not uh, the intent of the council, uh, nor is it directly the result of the council, But the council marked uh, this uh, change in Marian art as we specifically will discuss uh, in the course. And most of that is traced to the document on the church, Lumen Gentium. There was great debate among the 2000 plus council fathers at Vatican II as to whether Mary should receive a separate document or whether she should be included in the document on the church. There were those who were considered maximalists, those among the council fathers and their Pariti, their theologians, uh, many of them Latin American, Eastern European, who said that Mary should receive her own document and be treated by the council separately. The others who somehow got the name minimalists and for the most part, they were the Germans, the Northern Europeans uh, and the Americans uh, thought that Mary should be included in Lumen Gentium, a chapter in Lumen Gentium, as the first and highest member of the church. And when in uh, October of uh, 1963, the council fathers voted there was only a 14 vote difference among 2,000 council fathers, only 14 vote difference between those who wanted a separate document and those who wanted to include Mary in Lumen Gentium. Uh, the slight majority favored Mary as chapter eight in Lumen Gentium. In the council hall that day, there were tears. One of the newspaper reports said there were tears because some bishops were afraid that this would be mistaken as downgrading Mary or eliminating Mary. And of course, uh, the next day, the next day, the uh, the New York Times, uh, other worldwide newspapers uh, were very quick to say, uh, council denies Mary high place. headlines that said, uh, a, Fathers in Rome downplay Mary. Uh, So there was that interpretation of the council that uh, very sadly caused this minimalism in Marian theology, art, devotion uh, after the council. It's not what the council intended, but it was an image or an effect of the council. It was very difficult can we pause for a moment yep, yeah, yeah. okay
0: okay so we're uh we're back we actually had to pause the recording there uh, you probably heard the phone ringing in the background the answer machine going well that was uh father john's bishop so you don't turn down a call from the bishop so we paused <laughs> <laughs> I, I
1: call it the Bat Phone.
0: The Bat Phone. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Ray is on on Batman, and when that phone rings uh, here at the cathedral, I <laughs> must answer. I apologize.
0: <laughs> well, no, I, I think uh, everyone listening will understand. Okay, so um, the, the you were talking about the what seems to have been the effect of uh, not in- including. Or uh, well, giving Mary uh, a, a, a an encyclical of her own, um, yes, a separate that, a separate conciliar document. A conciliar that document, did not happen. The conciliar document. Yeah, that's what it, Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, but I'm assuming that it it wasn't the intention, even of the minimalists, that there should be a, a period of silence. It was at all. It it was really was genuinely
1: unintended that it should be interpreted that way. It was completely unintended, and uh, in the course of my studies and writing about this period, I had the good fortune to uh, to interview uh, oh, 20 plus bishops who were at the council, who uh, more than one told me, we, we went to Rome, we spent three months each fall uh, very carefully uh, explaining the church's teaching and we would come back home and find out that people had taken it and were using that to change all sorts of things, which we had not uh, envisioned uh, changing uh, yeah. or eliminating things as well. And that's what happened uh, the post-conciliar period. Uh, just uh, you know, there, there are horror stories about the uh, priests standing in the pulpit and taking a rosary and pulling it apart and saying, we don't do this anymore. Uh, There were Marian devotions that were uh, simply stopped and eliminated, that people had been attending weekly in their parishes for 50 years. Uh, There were statues and windows and frescoes that were uh, painted over or removed. This sort of iconoclasm uh, which was uh, both uh, visual and uh, in and magisterial in teaching, uh, was never intended to be, I'm and that not... sort of healing came about uh, by Paul VI in the the great encyclical Marialis Cultus on the right order of devotion to Blessed Virgin Mary.
0: Right. On the bishops
1: I, I, of the United States. I, I, I just right, sorry. To, uh, no, no. I just want to come in brief because I
0: I really do want to talk about that. Uh, that document which I think is very important I don't know if it had much influence but it certainly influenced me can you just tell us can we just step back one moment and if if you're able to just encapsulate what the Vatican what the second Vatican Council did say about Mary that's important just so we can uh, be clear that we've seen the terrible effects that were, were unintentionally caused but Uh, What what does it actually say? What are the sort of
1: takeaways from that, would you say? In a very beautiful way, the council taught, uh, I think, essentially these two things. First, that Mary is that disciple, that first disciple, that first member of the church, after Christ the head. Uh, That she is the first after Christ and the closest to us. And then secondly, the council also taught, and this is a very important quote, I think, the Blessed Virgin Mary is inseparably joined to the saving work of her son. Inseparably, a very precise word, inseparably joined to the saving work of her son so that in our Catholic thought, we, we can't separate them. We can't say, oh, Mary has nothing to do with this, or there's uh, no Marian dimension to that. Um, there is, uh, from the Annunciation uh, to the Assumption. And that is why we have <laughs> the whole range of Marian feasts uh, in the Church's Year of Grace.
0: So has there been any other um statement made <laughs> it seems to me that that you can't elevate her much more than that in saying those things um so there, there does seem to be a distinct contrast between what was said and what happened um as you were saying i mean, I mean that is certainly not downplaying
1: the role of mary in any way is it no it, it is not uh But the time after the council was very confusing. Uh, I lived through it. Uh, I was just a boy, but I lived through it. Uh, The the post-conciliar period, uh, not just in terms of Mariology, but in terms of uh, more importantly, Christology, uh, who is the person of Christ? Uh, Great confusion in Christology, great confusion, as you know, in moral theology, and uh, great confusion in uh, liturgy, as well yeah. uh, you know Cardinal Newman told us that for a council to take effect it takes a century it takes a hundred years for the teaching of a council to finally uh, find its place in the theology of the church now it's only been 50 years uh, yeah. since uh, the Vatican so maybe we're halfway there yeah
0: I'm, I always take heart in that it's funny I always think It's interesting, I hadn't heard that quote before, by the way, but something that I use uh, as a measurement is that um, it took, just in the context of art, you had the Council of Trent in the mid-16th century calling for changes in art. And it wasn't until, well, about 50 years later that um, you had the Baroque style uh, developing in Rome, which really was the, the... the coming together of the reflection of what the council had asked for is the way that i see it Mm -hmm. um, in the early uh, 17th century and so i just think that given how much more the the faith was part of the fabric of society in those days um one shouldn't be surprised that we've had a had uh, chaos for You're a, right. quite we, a few we years in this century it shouldn't worry us really if we have faith the people it will the, the church will come around the uh, you know the body of ordinary people by that i mean
1: so and, that, and that's that's it couldn't be uh, truer that um councils issue documents and documents must be read now you can visit any rectory <laughs> if any catholic church in the united states that go into the the pastor's library and on the shelf will be the documents of the second vatican council and you can pull it off the shelf and blow all the dust off of it <laughs> and <laughs> and then uh, find out what the council said i had a, an archbishop in rome uh, asked me one time in, in another regards, he said, how did the people react to uh, Pope's document on XYZ? Whatever he said. I said, the Archbishop said in all candor, people don't read the papal document on XYZ. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: parish priests, for the most part, uh, do not have the time to read a long papal document on this moral issue, that theological issue. Uh, the council's issue documents, documents must then be put into practice. And in the putting into practice, there are successes and there are failures. There is continuity and there is discontinuity. And we went through a period of great discontinuity uh, after the council, but that continuity, in my opinion, uh, was, uh, was regained in the papacy of John Paul II.
0: Right. And uh, building on, I'm going to suggest that that document you mentioned, uh, issued by Paul VI. Uh, in Marialis the, Cultus, yes. Marialis Cultus, uh, which I read with great interest um, and, in, and I thought was very good, actually. Uh, could you perhaps talk about that and just describe what's in it and, and its importance?
1: Of course, of course. Paul VI uh, was trying to to revive uh, Marian devotion and Marian thought uh, in the church a- after the council. And so, uh, Paul issued this document, Mary Alice Cultus is a cyclical, uh, for the right ordering of devotion uh, to Mary in the church. And he based the document on uh, several principles that he said good Mariology, good Marian thought, good Marian devotion uh, should be based. He said it should be biblical. It should be Trinitarian. It should be Christological. It should be ecumenical. It should be anthropological and then explained uh, how Marian devotion can be brought better to light uh, 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 more solidly uh, using these guiding principles. Of course, that too was a document. Uh, The bishops of the United States uh, issued a very beautiful pastoral letter called Behold Your Mother, Woman of Faith. It is to this day the bestseller of all the documents the Conference of Bishops have ever issued. Uh, many people had it in their homes. Uh, the, the bishops very carefully sought to revive Marian doctrine and devotion uh, and not just revive it but renew it according to the principles of Maryland's cultus. Uh, that was uh, a homegrown success. Uh, one of my uh, Dear professors, a dissertation director was the principal author of that letter for the American bishops. Uh, you know, when they the bishops write a letter, they they hire intelligent priests to to write it for them, and then they sign off on it. Uh, and Eamon uh, Carroll, uh, along with a group of theologians, and then led by Cardinal Carberry of Saint Louis, who was a, a great Marian scholar. Uh, Cardinal Baum of Washington later uh, in Rome. Uh, they did a marvelous job in bringing the council, the conciliar teaching on Mary to the people. And uh, and it was very widespread. And that was about 1975. But, but the topper on it then was the election of the Polish Pope, uh, John Paul II. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, the- uh, within, I'm going to throw you my impression of the, the, my takeaway from what um, Paul the Six said, and, and invite you to correct me or redirect me, um, as someone who isn't an expert. In this. But the thing that that I uh, found uh, inspiring, this is the Paul the Six encyclical, and I, I must admit, I, I, having seen the chaos in the in the 60s i I was uh, i was not a catholic then i was born in 62 but but i and i came into the church in the early 90s and i think i was most aware of the 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 liturgical disarray that's what struck me most i mean that's what is going to hit me when i go worship in the church um and i felt that that had largely happened under paul the sixth watch and so i'd never really looked Uh, very hard at what he had to say about things. and uh, So this is not to uh, say that he was or wasn't to blame for any of that. But I have to say, when I looked at this, I was surprised at how uh, rich it was. Um, And the thing that struck me about it was the uh, hierarchy of devotion. So to be devoted to Mary is... um, an act of love (laughs) Um, and it can be expressed in many ways so it's and it might be through what we call devotions such as the rosary but um in this hierarchy he says the church does it first through her worship and the marian feasts and then it's supported by the devotional uh the the devotions of the church highest of, of which of course is the rosary And the the key point that I took away from this is that this is not um, an either-or. It's it's part of the richness of the church that uh, we can do all of these. Some people may have a particular preference for one or the other. Uh, I'm probably more liturgy of the hours and following the feasts of Mary myself. But um, within the church, there is a huge richness of expression of personal devotion to mary which uh, is then contained within the body of christ the church is that, is that a fair summary would you say
1: i think it's a, 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 indeed a fair summary of parts of what paul vi said uh, And you know it, it when you mention it being a, a living thing that happens uh, in the church uh, it is essentially incarnational uh if jesus christ was just an idea Ideas don't have mothers, people have mothers, a person has a mother. And so if indeed the Lord God is made flesh, then that flesh has a mother. Uh, And the farther we get away from Jesus Christ as a person, uh, the less attention we will pay to his mother. Yeah, yeah. It's incarnational and that has a lot to say about art and liturgy yes and devotion uh, and and a scholarship uh, christ the person uh, whose mother is inseparable from his saving work yes
0: um, yes that's great okay now john paul ii you're saying that he had a huge impact personally it need it needed a popularizer it, for all the the writing and all the documents. Somebody has to connect with people to make
1: this happen. Yeah, indeed. Uh, What happened was that the council happened, the interpretations and misinterpretations of the council happened, Paul VI tried in a, by encyclical to, to move things in the right direction. In fact, there was a group of people who went to Paul VI before he died and said, we think you should expand the rosary. We think there should be more mysteries at the rosary. And Paul VI supposedly said, "No, no. he said, I have changed the mass. If I change the rosary, they will kill me. <laughs> uh, so there was just so much he could do. But in the very person of uh, Karol Wojtyła, uh, who lost his mother, lost his father, uh, well before his priesthood, uh, who had this uh, this heart that was united with the the human hearts of Christ and Mary, uh, John Paul II, who had that big M on his coat of arms, on the papal coat of arms from the very beginning walked out onto the balcony after his election and uh, placed uh, his ministry in the hands of the mother of Christ and the mother of the church. Uh, Marian devotion could in a sense come out of hiding for those who have uh, who had been embarrassed by their Marian devotion. Uh, It could be renewed Uh, for those who remembered something old but were seeking something new, and it could be rediscovered for those people, especially people coming into the church, or or very young people as well, uh, who didn't have a history of Marian devotion, uh, who rarely gave her a thought. John Paul II was the great reviver and renewer of that. Certainly, certainly.
0: Yes, and, and um, how did he do this? He, he connected with people personally. Uh, did he write about this? Did, was he always referring to Mary? What, what Tell us a little bit more about the connection he made, if you can.
1: Um, well, again, from the very beginning, uh, his Marian devotion was well known. And in fact, uh, Tara Waitiwa had been at the council. He'd been a council father. And he had spoken uh, very eloquently on uh, the role of Mary in the life of the church and uh, eventually supported the idea of including Mary in Lumen Gentium uh, as a member of the church and not outside of the church. Uh, But his Mary devotion was strong, it was manly, it was masculine. Uh, And and that I think is very important. Uh, I, I
0: agree with that because One of the things, as a convert, um, the Catholic approach to Mary, of course, is a big subject. (laughs) It's I need to get used to. And I found a lot of expressions, this is in the early 90s when I came into the church, something about them felt... not easy, not masculine, not easy for a man to grasp. And I can't tell you what it is. Some of the language and sentimentality of, uh, I think a lot of it 19th century, as I was coming across, uh, I didn't enjoy particularly. Um, but I, 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 I do respond to the, the, the more masculine approach. And I agree with you that John Paul II came across in that way. very much
1: yeah very very much so uh to the great benefit and blessing of the church uh i'm a pastor and uh i know many dear ladies dear women who have rosaries that are pink and and baby blue and who uh, pray away the rosaries but i also see and know a growing number of adult Catholic men who embrace Marian devotion, uh, who will say um, I came to Jesus Christ through Mary. These these are our young, uh, energetic, uh, intelligent Catholic men so I think, uh, and of course you're right, that a lot of the sentimentality of Mary, especially in the 19th century, uh, was uh, effeminate, and it, it, perhaps that's not altogether uh, terrible because she is the feminine. She she is indeed a, a woman, uh, and we must remember that anthropologically. Yeah. But. Um, there's something strong in John Paul II's Mary devotion. And he eventually, of course, you know, did add uh, the luminous mysteries to the rosary. Uh, he did admit after he had been shot uh, uh, on May the 13th in St. Peter's Square, he, he entrusted himself to the mother of God. Uh, he said, one hand fired the gun, but another hand directed the bullet. Uh, He believed that Mary saved his life. Uh, The the bullet that pierced John Paul II is now in the crown of the statue in Fatima. Uh, It was incorporated into the the crown of Our Lady of Fatima uh, there. Uh, That's a strong, masculine devotion. And that was very important. And John Paul did write that. most importantly about uh, Christ, and about mercy, and about the Holy Spirit, and about uh, reason and truth and beauty, Uh, but he also wrote a fair share about Mary, but it was not so much what he wrote, it was who he was, Mm -hmm. and uh, that has been a great benefit uh, to the church.
0: Yes. I, I'd like to just round off with uh, a, a little uh, description. You, you suggested this, and it sounded interesting to me: the history of Mary's health of the sick. Before we do that, is there? Have we? Uh, is there anything further you want to say about John Paul II? Um,
1: no, no. I, I, mean, I, I think I would add that uh, I think Benedict XVI yes. uh, also had a very uh, strong devotion to Mary, one uh, much more theologically uh, explained, uh, and that uh, Pope Francis, also uh, a Latin American, uh, has a Marian devotion uh, in all these cases uh, that comes from Christ, but that pays uh, a, a great bit of homage to uh, the mother of Jesus.
0: Yes. Uh, just on that, that note, when I think of South America, he, he, uh, I, I anyone who's a soccer fan will know that I think Par- Paraguay, Uruguay, Argentina certainly have these colours, light blue and white, <laughs> in, their, in their national, you know, the shirts they wear. And, and that comes from an apparition of Our Lady, uh, I've forgotten what it's called now, but it, it all begins with Mary, actually. So they've, they've incorporated them into their national flags in South America. So very strong sort of underpinning to the
1: foundations
0: of society there. So. And,
1: and, you, and you know, David, I think uh, we read a lot about uh, the inroads of Protestantism, of, of Pentecostalism
0: yeah.
1: uh, in, uh, in Latin America. And uh, I have priest friends and classmates who who work, who minister uh, in uh, Central America, particularly, and they um, they do uh, f- feel terrible when their people are let off by uh, fundamentalist uh, teaching. But he says people come back. Uh. The people come back to the church because. What they've been led into has no Marian dimension.
0: That's interesting. In in Venezuela, where I have um, some personal connection, uh, I think the apparition that Our Lady, the, the apparition that's popular is called the, uh, the Virgin of Coromoto, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was told that uh, it was felt that she would have a part in... Uh, really, not just bringing people back to the faith, but I mean, Venezuela itself needs saving at the moment. Um, so uh, we can just ask Our Lady to pray for, for that, the, the, that country.
1: Sure, absolutely. To gather the people under her mantle. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, so
0: th- let's go on then to the... Um, to the topic: history of Mary's health of the sick. Fascinating. Tell us about it.
1: Well, this comes to us from the the very famous Litany of Loretto. Uh, you know that that long list yeah. of short invocations that starts asking for the mercy of the Lord. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. God the Father of heaven. God the Son Redeemer of the world. Holy Spirit, one God, have mercy on us. And then come all these titles of Mary. Uh, One scholar I've worked with uh, has traced over 200 different uh, popular titles of Mary that have been given to her, uh, either doctrinally or devotionally, uh, over the 20 centuries. But they come, Uh, uh, Queen of Peace, uh, uh, Mother of God. uh, But in the midst of these, uh, of these lit of the this list in the litanies, uh, come Mary as helper, Mary, help of Christians, Mary, comforter of the afflicted, Mary, for the sick, healing, Mary, the health of the sick, pray for us. Uh, This has a a long history, Uh, so long, in fact, that it. Probably traces itself back to the Old Testament uh, and the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant which uh, before which David danced, uh, which the chosen people carried uh, throughout the desert, which came into the great and holy city, uh, the Ark of the Covenant which contained the tablets of the law and uh, some of the, the bread uh, sent down from heaven this Ark of the Covenant was on the inside uh, fashioned with cedar. Cedar, uh, I- at least according to the scripture, is the most noble of all trees, uh, the most beautiful, the most graceful, uh, and it has healing properties. Cedar does that, uh, that, that were uh, used quite extensively uh, in uh, millennia ago and so cedar has been connected to the health of the sick cedar connected to the ark of the covenant now in the new testament mary becomes the new ark she carries in herself uh, the word made flesh Uh, she carries jesus christ and so uh, one of her many titles is ark of the covenant in which sense then this idea of healing from the ark, healing from the cedar of which the ark is built. Mary is uh, beyond uh, the rest of creation, closest to Christ, closest to the Father, the spouse of the Holy Spirit. So that when we talk about the sick, which uh, is on everyone's minds these days, and I've heard Mm. Dozens and dozens of times in the last several days, Mary, health of the sick, pray for us. Mary, health of the sick, pray for us. Um, This uh, idea that the the Father keeps us in being, the Son, uh, who is our healer, the Holy Spirit, by whose power uh, we are saved, uh, that Mary who has always been close to the suffering, always been close to the sick. And that has biblical, scriptural foundation. Mary stood at the base of the cross, at the foot of the cross, uh, and shared in her son's suffering and death, uh, a sorrowful mother. Uh, The Christian people have always seen Mary as one who is close to suffering and who has suffered himself, as a mother who dries the tears of her children and in the same way that a mother uh, nurses her child back to health then for us in in these days especially uh, she is there as mother for uh, each christian and for the world Uh, health of the sick you know it was pointed out that uh, when mary appeared to uh the very humble Juan Diego and uh, Guadalupe, and Juan asked for uh, the healing of a relative of his who was sick. Uh, Mary said, do not be troubled by this sickness. Am I not your mother? Am I not here with you? That sort of confidence in Mary uh, is nothing new, and it is not necessarily something that is only old. It is a confidence and a trust that we have first in the Lord, but which extends to, uh, to his mother, and in which the Christian people have taken great solace and can find great comfort.
0: Right, well, I think we'll stop there. Father John, um, thank you very much indeed. Uh, well, it's
1: been my pleasure, David. My pleasure.
0: Yes, and great to have you. And I, I hope we'll do some more of these in the future. I, I find that fascinating. I learned a tremendous amount
1: today. Thank you very much indeed. You're very welcome.
0: You've been listening to the Way of Beauty podcast, conversations on Catholic faith and culture. If you enjoyed this episode, then please give us a five star review. On iTunes, this will help others to find it too. Also, if you are interested in delving more deeply into the material that we discuss, you can do a course at the Pontifex University website. That's pontifex.university